Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, welcome to Running It Straight, people. The first one for 2023. We're back, Kempi. That time already. We are back and running, my friend. Um, yeah, gee, it's been a quick turnaround. Um, obviously, the Rugby League World Cup took us through late until uh, late into 2022. And then with pre-season, the All-Stars game and everything else in between, we are back up and running. So great to have Running It Straight back on the airwaves, thanks to South Seas Healthcare, providing excellent health and well-being for Pacific people in all communities. As always, get involved. Send us a text on double eight double three the timber bed post text machine or give us a call 0800 150 811. Now, we are going to be previewing the NRL season in the coming weeks. We'll go through the teams, we'll go through ladder positions, how we see 2023 playing out. Uh, but today, we're just sort of going to dress things up a little bit, talk to Stacey Jones out of the Warriors and see how they're tracking through preseason. There's been a lot of chat um, around the players, Andrew Webster, and where they're at. But I want to chat to Stace just about that coaching structure, Kempe, and uh, how he's found Webster from a coaching perspective, how him and Richie Agars and Justin Morgan are sort of gelling together, what role Stacey's playing this year, and also if he's had time to reflect on you know, what was a pretty tumultuous 2022, and obviously he found himself in the head coach's role for the best part of three or four months. So wonder if Stace has had a chance to, I guess, sit back and assess. Well, he came back and he went straight back into a World Cup, didn't he? So he hasn't had a lot of time to breathe. Um, but it is, it is different down there. And the big, biggest difference is their home. You know, they're not uh, living out of a suitcase, mm-hmm. worrying about uh, how their family is doing back in New Zealand. They're here. They're training hard. They're looking good. They're looking very lean and, and mean. And, and Andrew Webster's uh, saying all the right things at the moment. But you always... Uh, hold that uh, that little bit of anticipation because until they run out on Thursday and play through the trolls for the first round, you can't really get a gauge on where they really at. So I'm mm. looking forward to them playing the West Tigers uh, tomorrow night down at Mount Smart. It's um, it feels a, like a bit of a I don't know what the words like a seminal moment in in the club's history can be because the last three years have just been so all over the place in terms of where they've been based and COVID etc. But also just in results and coaches and changes etc. And it just there's this sense that this is sort of the start of a new beginning. But we talked about last year they got to get it right this year. You know all the excuses that were made through COVID, um, you know through coaching transitions etc. Sort of, they've got no excuse this year. They've got nothing to sort of fall back on. So if they don't deliver this year, there's going to be probably some questions asked. Although people are willing to give Webster a bit of time. Oh look, I, and I don't think Andrew Webster's um, colour coding the the a job that he's got at hand. You know, he's got got them to try and buy into a, a new way forward. He's got them training hard. He's not giving anyone any any time off. You know, he's treating everyone the same, and and they know what sort of job they got they got at hand, what what to do. So it is different. Like they've mm. got junior structures. You know, they, they started SG Ball this weekend. Um, they're looking at playing under 16s reserve grade in the in the pathways competitions again, which is massive for your first grade side. So, you know, they've lost a few players. Reese Walsh is headed off to Brisbane. You've got Mar- um, Marcella Mur- Murdoch Marcella heading to St George. Uh, they're 
missing a couple of big blokes in the middle. Uh, can the new blokes in the quarter, uh, Barnett, you know, Tamari Martin, uh, to name just the, the three of them, can they make a massive change to the way the side was uh, was playing in the future? And of course, we've got those defensive questions that we we're always worried about. You know, they, they leak more points than they score, yep. and and can Andrew Webster change that uh, that trend around? Yeah, we're going to talk um, after three thirty as well today. Uh, we're previewing the All Stars game this Saturday from Rotorua International Stadium. Uh, the Māori All-Stars going up against the Indigenous All-Stars. You will have the live call here on SCNZ, so if you want to tune in from 5 o'clock on Saturday, myself and Kempi are giving you the call. We're going to catch up with Honi Harawera after the 3.30 news. Um, very, very big figure in rugby league, CEO of the Northland uh, Rugby League, Te Tai Tokoro uh, Rugby League up there, Kempi. Um, just on the significance of um, the game of rugby league in a Māori communities, Māori culture, and also the importance of having a representation at an all-star game. So uh, we're going to do that after 3.30, which is great. Just quickly on the on the trial uh, coming up on Thursday, and uh, as I mentioned, Stacey Jones coming up very, very shortly. Uh, the, the team that um, Andrew Webster's named, now he did a podcast um, late last year with the Warriors Life Boys, um, who do a great job um, sort of servicing the fans with some great Warriors content. Um, and he said on the podcast that the game, in his eyes, is moving away from just having out-and-out big guys in the forward pack. He wants agile, fit. It doesn't matter if they're a little bit smaller. He wants them agile and fit and, and mobile to move around the park. The side that he's named for uh, the trial game against the Tigers, you'd look at that initially and say it is quite a small team. Do you, do you like or do you sort of subscribe to that methodology or do you think we still lack and need some bigger bodies in the front row? Because we are probably missing a prop. Yeah, look, I think with, you know, one of the things that caught us out in 2004 was it was a rule change uh, real late in the season. And Graham Annesley made one this week in, in and around the 10 metre rule where you have to have both feet back behind the referee. And, and of course, the referee's making a decision, a wise decision on, on, on where the game's at, the momentum, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that actually plays back into the bigger man again. Um, and yes, I, I, I do think the game's getting fitter. I think. If you look across the board, there isn't a there isn't a, a player that goes out on the football field that can't perform in his role, whether he comes off the bench or he starts, because they're so fit these days, and they've got so many interchanges that when you do see a tiring player, they move him out. The, the only way, way you're going to get caught is by coach's error, which we saw with Brandon Smith in the World Cup semi-final against Australia. They left him out there too long. He left that gap. He's headed he's headed through at Cam Murray that gap because because Brandon Smith left it there, and they scored the try and they couldn't ping him back. Yeah. So. Um, do do I sort of buy into you know you need to be leaner and meaner um, to compete? If I look across the board at the probably the top five teams this year: Melbourne, South Sydney, Parramatta, North Queensland, um, and Penrith. The 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 simple question, answer to that question is no, because they all have big men, mm. and they're not going to they're not going to chop 10, 15 kilos off them. They're going to they're going to continue to play big men through the middle with a slowing down of the speed of line because they're going to get them back on side. I think the big men are really, again, really crucial this year. Mm. Uh, if you've got any questions, uh, double eight, double three, we're going to catch up with Stacey Jones very shortly. Uh, Honey Huddle, we're after 3.30 as well. Kimberley's actually texted one in here, which might be worth asking um, Stacey Kempe. It says, one of the Warriors spokespeople was talking about junior development the other day. He mentioned a group house that they have set up for the development players. I'll be interested to know how that works, what they do daily, who runs the house, values, challenges, etc. Is that a new thing? I've, I've sort no. of not heard about that before, but they do that across they do it well. Clubs, do they? I went. I, I was in one mm-hmm. at Newcastle. So when I went to Newcastle, I lived in a in a, in a clubhouse. Um, the 
most clubs have clubhouses. The Warriors have had them before. Carmen, Carmen and, and Spencer Taplin. Uh, Carmen now works for the, the Titans as a, a um, welfare officer. She used to run it with her husband, um, Spencer. Um, so it's not new, but it is a very good acquisition for the club because what happens is you get all these very good young kids in there that are training and, and supposedly eating right and you're getting mentored by people and they've got a, a, a place where they feel comf- um, comfort and love um, within that 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 building, you know, so um, it's a it's a good it's a good thing. Cam did talk about that when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. That that club has been set back up. The clubhouse has been set back up. I think I think, mate, like it's it's not new. It's it's needed. Um, and every other club in the competition's got one. Did you see? Uh, someone's actually texting as well. ESG Ball did start over the weekend. The Warriors won ten uh, eight over South Sydney. Very good defensive effort. Found themselves defending for a large period of the second half. Did very very well. But did you catch the try? from uh, the hooker, uh, Etuate uh, Fuku uh, Fuko, I think it is. A um, little bit of Stacey Jones in him there with a little chip and chase over the uh, over the defensive line. Well, the, the beauty about that, that uh, grade is good talent identifiers identify the talent throughout the competition, you know. Like, we haven't been able to identify and keep our talent because we're not playing in that comp. Correct. Okay, so we're going f- from here to schools competitions and straight into the SG Ball, Harold Matt's, over an Aussie, an Aussie club. So now that we've got our kids up here and they go into that competition, now's an opportunity to see them early and go, you know, because Stacey Jones basically came, it wasn't called that back then. Mm. It wasn't called that when I, when I played. Um, but you got to play in your country and people got to see you and then they got to sign you. And, yep. and, and now if they get it right here at the Warriors, if they've got very good talent um, ID people, then they sign people like that hooker. You know, do we need hookers? Hell yeah. And the Warriors have actually all, always had very strong junior teams. Even when the first grade is struggling, they've actually had very strong, apart from the last three years. Oh, they won the 20s. Yep. You know well, what I mean? The con- 20, they basically own the 20s. I, me, I'm, I'm, you know, I think there's a conspiracy in the 20s. So I think the Warriors would have won it every year because mm. that grade, we, we're starting to own it. You know what I mean? And um, It's a good thing now that the pathways are back because, you know, we our first grade team needs those kids playing hard in football week in, week out. You know, they don't play long season 26 round competitions but they build them back into those competitions so that when they make the next step up to Harold Matts they make the step up to Q Cup Queensland uh, New South Wales Cup they're ready to play I'm going to ask Stacey just because he'll have a lot better knowledge of it than me but just to flesh out actually what it's looked like for our players who are not on the first grade side just over the last three years just to give people a sense of how difficult it's been because there's been the stories about guys that have literally played three uh, three games across the season because Redcliffe put those restrictions on, I think it was only what six players were allowed to play out of the Warriors setup. So you had a whole bunch of our juniors just not playing. So I'm going to ask Stacey, what did that actually look like? Because, you know, like you said, it's so important to have those junior sides in for the first grade team. We're going to take a short break. Um, when we do come back, we will have Stacey Jones on the line, Warriors assistant coach. If you've got any questions, double eight, double three. We'll be back after this. Welcome back in. Running it straight here on SCNZ. Coming up 20 past three. Uh, just trying to get through to Stacey Jones at the moment. Uh, maybe still stuck in training. Um, Kempe, before we get to Stace, and I'm sure he's going to flesh this all out for us, but um, pre-season, um, now we had the Rugby League World Cup, which meant that some players were probably given a little bit of an extended break. Um, they have sort of a couple of days off over Christmas, but they come back. Um what we saw last year with the Cowboys, I think, is and all the stories coming out from Todd Payne, was how important a preseason is for a season coming up. So my question to you is, 
A, how important is it from someone who's who's been there, done that? And also B, how detrimental is it going to be for a side like Penrith, who had a lot of players for Samoa uh, in that final? They probably had the extended break and how sluggish they might start the 23 season given that they had that extended break. Oh, oh it's massive. It's absolutely massive. You know, like uh, any coach in the NRL will tell you how important an off-season. Tim Sheens this morning on The Breakfast Show with me and Izzy was talking about, you know, he's, he's seen quite a few of them. Preseason, um, preseasons, and he's and he's really happy with the one that he's had because he didn't have too many players that were out and out and about and playing uh, in those World Cups. So I think if uh, you, you've had a really good preseason, I, I know that the Warriors didn't lose too many players to the World Cup. Uh, Chancellor Clockstag is probably the biggest one. He came back uh, just you know, two couple of weeks after after the New Year and has been back in training. Um, so it'll take a little bit of time for him to get right back into it. But when you think of it from Penrith's point of view, like you pointed out, they had 20 blokes that travelled through their squad um, up into the World Cup. And one has to think that, you know, it's not just that they they have an extended break. It's it's actually part of the CBA as well. So the Players Association is telling them that they can't go back to training. Mm. You know, they can't play any games. They must take a break. And when you play World Cups and they, they roll on to the back end of November, um, you know, those guys need six, they, they take their six weeks holiday. It takes them in the middle of January before they start back to preseason. Mm. What about the trial games? Like what... What are what do the trial games mean for clubs? Are they more for developing young players and trying to get them up to speed before the season starts and unearth something special? Is it getting guys back into the rhythm of rugby league? Like, how do you view the trial games that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks? Well, for the for the big guys in the middle, it's about getting some time under their belt for sure. You know, because they want to be starting um, the season on a heater, and especially in the middle, middle of the park. So you don't win the middle, you don't you don't compete in the games. And if you look at the Warriors, who they got playing, you know, they've got uh, Luke Metcalf, for instance, of Tamari Martin at halfback. Now, that could end up being their halfback mix mm. at the end of the year. You know, they get an injury to Sean. Um, he goes down, Luke Metcalf's in the background. He hasn't been talked about being in the, that spine this year because you've got uh, um, Nickel Clockstead at the back, Tamari Martin playing 5'8", and Sean Johnson playing halfback. The, the, what happens with the trials is a chance to see how those two actually go together. So they get some work together, they, they see what they need to work on in case it gets called on. And again, Tim Sheen's touched on it this morning. Um, you know, when he had that run in 2005, he had such a bad run early on with injuries that when the boys did come back mid-season, they had that really good run of no injuries through to the back end of the year and hit those finals, you know, on the, where they were on the ground running. Mm. Um, and as you know, the rest of the history, they went on Benji um, scoring that unbelievable, put, put, putting that ball into Pat Richards going down that left-hand edge and, and Scotty Sattler pulling off that, that tackle that gets played every grand final year. And so... Um, it is a really important time, trials. You know, you've got kids that are on the fringe. Can they can they compete at NRL level? You're looking for contact. How how is that contact with them? You're looking for carry in contact. Do, are they able to take the extra extra um, um, strength, the tackles, and hold on to the football? And and one of the, is their speed. Are they up to speed? Mm. You know, that's a that's a big one. And you know, again with the changes, there's two changes to the laws this year. One's the the ten meters where you have to have both feet back beyond the referee, but the other one is on on the scrums where people were putting their foot on the board and holding the scrums up and calling it you know, six again. They're getting yep. either six again or a penalty. Well, you can't have that anymore, so the ball's got to come out of the scrum. So it's about making sure you're working with the rules and, and, and how best you, I guess, to get, get accustomed to them. But 
like you know can you exploit the rules what do you need to work on and you know like you said is it, is it better for a leaner man in the middle of the park or is it better for a bigger man in the park yeah questions uh, that we will uh, that will get answered over the next couple of weeks in the early part of the season uh, I did mention at the top of the show we will do a big uh, season preview uh, next Wednesday and the Wednesday following which is one week out from the season starting we'll go through the teams and ladder predictions etc um, but with all eyes at the moment on the trial games as well as the All-Stars game this weekend just struggling to get through uh, to Stacey Jones at this stage uh, we will keep trying um, the coaching structure uh, Kempe which we have had a chat about quite a few times we did last year and sort of this year as well um, so you've got Stacey Jones and Justin Morgan who obviously come over from last year we've got Andrew Webster coming over from the Panthers and he's brought in Richie Agas from up in the UK which who you spoke to this morning on uh, was it this morning on breakfast it was this morning this on morning breakfast, breakfast. Right. so um, I guess just just off the bat, from what you've sort of seen and heard, and I know it's it's all hypothetical at this stage because we haven't actually seen them run out and play. Um, but are, are you liking what you're hearing from these guys and the conversations that they're having with with media and and the way that they're talking about the club in 23 years? Sort of convinced that that's the co- that's the good lineup for the Warriors. I think the first thing that I do like about the club is that they've got a voice um, at the at the head of the table that's actually making sense. You know, so Andrew Webster, I've met him oh, half a dozen times now. At the end of last year when they signed him, he came to New Zealand. Uh, we had him in here, we put him on the show. Um, and then I've been at a couple of um, uh, events that he's been at. And I've, then I went down to training only a couple of weeks ago, spoke to the three new players, um, Chance, uh, Dylan and... and Tamari. Tamari, and, and then also caught up with Webby. And the thing with Webby, what I like about him, is that you can actually ask him a question. He, does, he doesn't think about yeah. coming up with, a, with an answer. Totally. That is for everybody. Yeah. He actually answers the question. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's been missing at the club, you know. So when you do when you when you do get up with, against a coach like that who answers those questions straight up, they understand what accountability means. You know what I mean? And it doesn't surprise me that it, that it came out like Sean Johnson's had no shortcuts. He's getting he's getting uh, you know, if you're a senior player, you're doing as much as as the junior players are doing. Cuz his expectations is all about mate I'm I'm holding myself accountable and I'm holding you accountable to prepare, to prepare and hopefully go out there and deliver what I want you to deliver. Mm. So from a coaching perspective, I think the addition of him and Richie Yeager, Richie Yeager comes from good stock. You know, when I asked him this morning, the main, the main question I asked him is, like, everyone wants to know who you are. So he told us, you know, I'm, well, this is who I am. You know, my dad was Alan Ager. I got coached by Alan Ager. He's a very good coach mm-hmm. up in the UK. Um, I've, I've been a player in the up there in the Super League, and, I, and, I've, and I've coached four very good clubs up there over the last 20 years. So the pedigree that you've got down here helping them out is it's different. It, you know, one, you've got that, that UK unbiased view, and the other part is you've got one that's been here, Gone away, gone into one of the best systems at Penrith, seen the junior system, and of course been on that that heater of the three year run, um, and then come down here and gone. Well, I actually know what success looks like, and I'm going to try and install that in here. So, I think they've all put their hands up and said, you know, and they have made that public. Like, there's no more excuses, you know. And if you look at what the breakers have done, and I've mentioned this many times on the breakfast show, if you look where the break, breakers have hit the ground running, one thing that I've learned from the breakers is because they were on the road for so long, they don't care about travelling away. Mm. You know, yep. That's how they've gone the finals this year. Their 16 wins to take them to the final, their 18 wins to take them to the final, it's been built on their away wins. Now, if the Warriors can win away and then come here, you know, come home and make it really tough for teams to come here, mate, 
who knows? Yeah, and I think big crowds this year as well, given that you know we've that first season back, and and great to see games going to Wellington and, and Napier as well, which we will which we will be at and commentating. Um, one last thing I did want to talk about just quickly before we get to the news, Kempi, um, and it's the other issue that really is bubbling away in the NRL at the moment is the CBA um, discussions between the NRPA and the uh, the NRL or the uh, ARL. Um, where do you sort of sit on it here? Do you see both sides? Are you more player, are sympathetic to the players? Um, are you sort of sympathetic to the NRL? How do you sort of see this all playing? Sy- and are we going to get a full <laughs> a full round one? I'm so, I'm sympathetic to the players in my era because we, you know, we we finished the game with no support whatsoever. So I am sympathetic to the players' voice. Uh, I always have been. I've, I've been an advocate for players' associations right from day one. And players' voice is really critical in, in today's game. So um, when you're talking about a, a two, three billion dollar business, players need to be um, heard in and around decisions, mate. In and around decision making, especially for the safety and the future of the game. So Clint Newton is, and and the players' association make a lot of sense when they say, you know, you're you're basically have running a dictatorial process which says collective, which in, in its essence is collectively, that's both of us making this case for um, a player's agreement, mm. but you're making those decisions yourself and you're not listening to us. Now, um, to be brutally honest, I think if they don't sort this out before round one, I do think the players will walk. I, I get a firm belief that... You think that, that, yeah, that they'll give up taking to the field to to make a stand because it's a big you know there's a, it's a it's all well and good talking about it but when it push comes to shove Kempi and it's the it's the third of March the fourth of March and games are literally about to start and you're not going to, onto the team bus that's a that's a different kettle of fish it you does know? it does take big kahunas yeah um, and you've also got to take into account that the marquee players will be okay because they can sustain a little bit of living but the yep. average player Correct, and, the, and yep. the one below it is just making making wages so that they can live so mm-hmm. you know. They they know all this. The NRL would know all this. Um, so it, 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 it comes down to you know basically the first person that talk, talks loses, uh, and that's the scenario that you're at because they've got to give ground. Yep. One of them has to give ground for the uh, CBA to be be sorted out. I actually think there's not too big a issue in what they want sorted out. Everything that I've read about you know post um, career pre-career, during insurances. You know, if you look at the CBA for the woman being less than a million dollars, you know, like... Um, well, the woman's, the woman's thing, the woman's side is, is a complete joke in my mind. Like they are getting basically nothing and they want what you would consider as pretty minimal workplace yeah. sort of requirements, you know? And that's, and that's what I mean. Like it, it sort of, it doesn't make poor reading. It sort of makes no, sense. correct. But so, it's, it's, it's interesting because we spoke with Jimmy Smith a couple of weeks ago and, I, and he, I think, made a great point in that Peter Volandis has always been the sort of strong-nosed guy that gets stuff done and doesn't take any BS, which is great in certain circumstances. Not, it doesn't really work in this circumstance where you need to have a discussion and compromise because he's the kind of guy that's just going to, like you said, it's the first one to break, and it ain't going to be Peter Volandis. Well, he really, hasn't, he really hasn't had to deal with the rugby league community. You know what I mean? Like where players come from, like they come from adversity and they come from hard backgrounds. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. when you're coming from the racing industry with people with money and, you, and you're making decisions and they just go, yeah, well, okay, let's get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when rugby league are doing it tough and they and they know what adversity looks like, when the chips are down, like they they come from nothing, mm. so they don't mind having a scrap because they've scrapped for everything. Like they fight for oxygen. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's just the life of a, of a of a rugby league whanau. So, mm. um, 
I've got a feeling that if they don't sort it out, I, I personally, I think they'll sort it out. Yeah. I think there's not that I much think, to yeah, sort I out. I think there's a lot of smoke, but I think but I th- push th- comes to shove it all. I think they'll walk. Seriously. I think so they're ready to walk. We've just got to get to news, but I did want to just put one point to you, Kempi, and that is, I guess, some of the comments I've been seeing online uh, in response to sort of articles and press conferences and stuff. And, and you know, the, pl- the, the fans that are against the players, their argument is that, well, you know, builders don't get support from their employers 10 years after they've finished building with bad backs and bad knees and these guys are getting a million bucks. Why can't they self-insure, you know, put 10K aside each season and sort of self-insure? How would you sort of respond to that? Because that's been the biggest criticism for me is people sort of comparing a rugby league player to another job and saying, well, no other job gets those sort of benefits. Well, because no other job draws $2 billion in a crowd. Um, if you show me a building program that I can watch on TV and enjoy it every weekend for 26 <laughs> weeks and then go and watch the final house being built on on, on a Saturday, Sunday night, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a 2 to $3 billion product. Now, when, you, when you're talking that type of money, like a guarantee if there was a business that had a building program like that, those builders would be saying, you're looking after my back for the rest of my life if yep. I'm going to make you yep, some money. that's a great point. So, you know, it's, it's not a hard one to answer. Mm. You know, unfor- unfortunately for that, that person that asks that question, you're not a, you're not a profile that gets you two to three billion dollars through a media deal. No, and I think that's probably the biggest thing is there is a lot of um, misrepresentation. It's certainly of the players. Jimmy Smith told us this that everyone just sees them as wanting money, and it's not it's not really well, they about don't. the they're, money. Thirty eight percent of the of the two billion dollars, you know, they're they're, they're quite reasonable mm. when you think about it, and they're putting their bodies on the line. So. Um, I don't. I've never begrudged a player getting what they what they can get nah. from playing. Like knowing today, you know, as a as an older man, what you put your body through, mate. Get get go and get as much as you can. It's such a short short career. And I just want to make the point: the average average footballer plays forty six games. It's the marquee players that make all the money. Mm. You know, so yeah, no, I think don't it's... go and say like because you because you're blowing wind up your own pipe. Don't go and say it's all about money because the average player doesn't make a living, correct, a, a wealthy living out of rugby it's, league. It, it's the lesser players, it's the women's players that really um, would benefit from these discussions. Um, we've got to take a break for news. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the All-Stars this weekend and then uh, in about 10 or 15 minutes' time, we're going to catch up with Honey Hadawera to talk uh, Māori Rugby League. Uh, news first with Johnny Mack. Oh, it's good to hear that song back on the airwaves, Kempi, one of your faves. Um, uh, in regards to a building show worth $2 billion, Scott said it's called The Block. <laughs> $2 billion? Oh, please, Scott. Yeah, yeah they, barely, I, they barely make any money when they sell those houses yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, look, I've, I've got plenty of friends that are, are chippies, and uh, yes, they've all had back operations and stuff like that. Um, but the reality is that, you know, unfortunately for them, their unions and the, the game that they... Uh, I guess are making their living with don't draw in that two to three billion dollars from a network network deal which could help them in the long run. Uh, text in from Sam quickly I'll get to before we talk All-Stars. Uh, Kempi Sam welcome back. What position on the table would you call a good season for the Warriors? I think if we can finish between eight and ten it will be a very good first season <coughs> Excuse me. under Webster based on the roster we have <coughs> excuse me and the stage the club is at in terms of turning it around. Would There's like all to those make peanuts you ate. Mate. It is actually those peanuts are literally stuck in my throat. Would like to make the eight, but I think it's a long shot, and I like that no one from the club is talk, uh, talking about that. Unlike last year, so it's an interesting question, Kimby, because I always did get frustrated when the baseline for people was, oh, we just want to make the eight, you know, or we just you know make the eight and we'll be happy. Of course, you have got to be realistic, and as a fan, you're sort of like, oh, well, if we make the eight, I'll be semi happy. But we should be targeting, you know, we want to win every season. You shouldn't be playing rugby league if your goal is not to win every single season. But in the context of that question, 
what would you consider a sort of pass mark for a Warriors season this year under all the circumstances? Well, you know, um, all things being equal, you know, like we we still haven't got the pathways up and running. Webby is a new coach. He's he's building his team because he's inherited a team and he's still building it over the next couple of years. I think I think, and he said this himself. You know, he's here to win a competition. He's not here to just make the eight. Um, but I think. It's very important, vitally important for the club in the long run when you're trying to attract talent mm. and build a club and build that rebuild that culture that an eight yes. um, position is is vital. So uh, I think if they finish, you know, if they finish anywhere near they they did last last year. I think they call that a failure. 100%. Yeah, no, I do agree with you there. Um, let's talk a little bit of All-Stars. So we got the game this weekend, mighty All-Stars Indigenous. We've had a few big blame players pull out, but still some some heavy hitters coming over. Latrell, uh, Nico Hines, Cody Walker for the Indigenous. Uh, the Māori uh, All-Stars are, are littered with uh, with good talent as well. Um, we're going to be calling the game here from SNZ 5.45 on Saturday, and we're going to get Honey Huddleware on very shortly. He's very involved in rugby league, uh, particularly in Northland. Um, and knows how important the game is to the Māori community. Just for the listeners out there, Kempi, um, you know, you, you're Māori yourself from that background and rugby league. Tell us a little bit about the history of Māori rugby league and specifically this sort of all-stars team or, or a Māori rugby league team that sort of plays in a representative match. Well, Māori rugby league kicked off a year after the the, the game of rugby league from played by 1907 tourists, New Zealand tourists that went over to England were... Um, rugby players that basically went on a rebel tour through England with Albert Baskerville. But in 1908, a New Zealand Māori team headed over to Sydney and basically saved the game of rugby league in Australia because it was it was dead and buried at that time. And they called them the natives, the Australians at that time, said, and, and were just taken by the way that they played um, rug, rugby league and, and the way they threw the ball around. And where they couldn't get a crowd to watch rugby league in New South Wales, well, they started packing the stadiums out. And rugby league came back in a big way. You fast forward it to 2008, where we couldn't play uh, in the World Cup, the one that the, the Kiwis won. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we asked if we could play at the World Cup. We opened the tournament up for them, if you remember, uh, at Sydney Football Stadium. Uh, again, they didn't know that there were so many people going to show up for that. And today, the importance of Māori playing this game against the Indigenous All-Stars is significant for the fact, for me personally, that we don't have any system down here um, that can really, I guess, compete with a, a showcase of our talent as they've made it in the NRL. Mm. So when you get a player like Joey Manu, come back, Jordan Riki, Jared Wari Hargraves, Benji Marshall, those type of players that have played in week in, week in out of the NRL, when they put on a, a Māori jumper, they're actually representing more than just rugby league. And this game now, I think, is right. Uh, like I said this morning, I think it's at the wrong time of the year. It should be at the end of the year. Um, but for a player, it means a, it means a hell of a lot more um, for them than just representing their country. Yeah, and we're going to ask Honi Harawira about that. Um, we'll take a short break. Um, Honi Harawira on the other side talking uh, the Māori All-Stars. Uh, running it straight. Great to be back for 2023. And we've got to thank uh, South Seas Healthcare, providing excellent health and well-being for Pacific people and all communities who are on board with running it straight. Fantastic. Keep your texts coming in. Double eight, double three. Yeah, quarter to four here on SNZ, running it straight. Myself, Sam Hill, alongside Tony Kemp. Uh, not able to get through to Honi Harawira, but Kempi. We've got something even better. Yeah, look, we've gone to uh, a very good friend of mine, John Tamahere, who's uh, 
uh, previously a New Zealand Rugby League board member. He's a very big advocate for Rugby League, especially for Māori in this country, and understands what it means uh, for a kid in a pathway here in New Zealand. And welcome on the show today, running it straight today. JT, how are you? Speak to me. <laughs> hey, look, we've got this game this weekend, the Indigenous game, uh, all-star game, playing the Māori down at Rotorua on Saturday night. What's your thoughts on this game um, and and what and what part of the calendar the NRL have put it in? Look, well, look, um, it's, it's all about the NRL. It's got nothing to do with Indigenous peoples at all. Um, and the problem with that is, is that the Indigenous groupings, like Māori Rugby League, has nothing to do uh, or to say over this particular game, right? The boys haven't, uh, I'm talking Māori rugby, the boys haven't been international in about 18 years. Uh, and so um, rugby are leaving us for dead in the way in which they look after Māori. And the fall-off in player participation up and down the country is quite significant. We're going to have to arrest that, and we can't do it under the present leadership. So I, I'm, I, I will support the boys as I always will and do, but what, what they are is pawns um, on a board. They don't get an international cap out of it, our boys, um, because it's not, de- it's not deemed by the international board to be an international. And you can't just unilaterally as a country like Australia does. Australia must think it dominates and runs the whole code because uh, it's, it's determined that uh, their boys should get a cap out of it, right? Now, what that means, I don't know. But that just goes to show you how seriously wrong things are when... Indigenous people who are pretty skilled, we're pretty, we're you know we're out of our grass skirt stages, can run things ourselves, and uh, grow the code at the grassroots level, so that we've at least got a window of opportunity, as the Māori All Blacks have. Yeah, which is a really which is a really interesting point you make. You know, like you're talking about as pre-season games, the first one to kick off uh, this weekend, along with the trials, uh, the big the big banner uh, with the NRL on it. What what does the future hold? Do you think for this type of um, game to actually be of of any benefit to Māori here in New Zealand? Because you're right, they do come in it's for a week, and and we don't really see anything else out of it. No, no, we don't. Well, all the resources and all the money doesn't come down to Māori Rugby League or or to um, our Indigenous brothers offshore either. It goes back into the NRL's coffers. And there's a bit of a split that goes to some player payments, etc. But that's because it's deemed um, a a one-off showcase game. And it showcases um, the way in which we use as a stud farm and a a bit of a herd. And I, I just think we're going to have to get greater integrity and credibility uh, about understanding that it's not the NRL that should be running these games. Uh, you, you won't. Oh, you will recall, of course, you will recall the, the great Pacific Cups we used to have at Carlow Park, and that that grew the code immensely, uh, particularly out of Auckland but elsewhere, um, because um, the Pacific peoples are huge here in this country, and they back up their teams. It doesn't matter if it's Samoa, Tonga, the Cook Islands, Nui, Rotuma. New, they all got in and they all produced some outstanding football, right? And we've, we've not been allowed to have that gala, but a change in where we're heading in um, the Māori sphere and we'll be calling our Polynesian brothers together and we'll start our own system to try and get our own babies sorted out on the streets. See, league, as you know, for me and you, is not just about um, getting into the series. It's, a, it's about an organisational structure that brings good values 
uh, an obligation and a duty to your neighbour and to your mates uh, to look after one another uh, in your community. And those are the values that are missing um, on a day-to-day basis in a lot of our communities. Rugby league can fill that gap. And uh, that's why we're hanging in there um, because we see the opportunity for it. Mm. John, uh, Sam here. Uh, you did mention just before um, that we are losing, um, or you know, rugby is sort of blowing rugby league out of the park uh, with the way that it, it treats Marty. What role, I guess, does does the game of rugby league in your eyes play in? I guess Māori sort of culture and heritage, it's a game that you know Māori have a very, very long history and Kempi was just telling us about that before the break. Um, just in your eyes, I guess, yeah, how how important is just the game of rugby league uh, to, to Māori and, and the culture and the, and the communities? Well, it's an organisational system um, <clears throat> for us, or it has been since Kempi Uratoru Kingi Koraki um, designated the, the, the code for Kingitanga and the Waikato, and that's why Nara Wahia Tanifara, all that, all through there, Huntley had... Uh, senior teams battling it out all the time, big numbers. So, so it's big in our culture in terms of tournaments and a range of other things that we get it on uh, and, and run out in our own colours and those sorts of things. It's better running out uh, uh, in your own colours from your own iwi and fano than it is uh, in running out with patches. Mm. And that's the difference that we're talking about here uh, in regard to a uh, very disciplined, very organised um, structure where mothers uh, take their babies along because they're getting things that they don't normally get off their own street, but they're getting it through a very disciplined uh, a rugby league setup, and so that's 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 why league and that's why mothers still have great hope in taking their babies down to the park, and um, but they know straight away when it's not it's not organised and it's not sorted. Hey JT, just one more question before we let you go. Um, the game, the game on Saturday night, we've had a, a number of boys pull out because of the, I, I'm, you know, the the timing of the game really for me is is one of the reasons why they're pulling out. How important is it that we actually get if we do are we going to play these games that we do get our marquee players playing? Oh well, it's vital, and we the deal that uh, I had when I was chairperson of Māori Rugby League, and they got onto the New Zealand Rugby League was uh, we. we we had uh, our women and ourselves uh, had internationals uh, at least one a year every year, so your marquee players could be called back. Uh, Kiwis got first choice, uh, no doubt about that, uh, as our first team. But the Māori side was uh, deemed in those days to be uh, uh, um, one of our squads, where in effect you, you have two teams running out, right? Um, Māori and and the Kiwis, and so Māori, the best Māori played in the Kiwis and the rest in the mighty side. So that was a great formula uh, for growing the code, particularly back home here as uh, Māori and Iwi groups start to invest uh, in codes as part of a social uh, uplifting. Um, and so I, I just think, I think it's an extraordinarily important opportunity, but it goes it goes begging all the time because, um, you know, we've got a number of colonised people. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a number of folks who still think we are. Okay. Hey, look, thanks a lot, uh, JT, for um, coming on today, mate. And d- just the experience and the wealth of knowledge that you've got there, mate. Thanks for joining us on Running It Straight. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, mate. Awesome. There you go. John Tamahiri. They're very interesting insights, actually. I'm going to pick Kempi's brain a little bit. We'll just take a short break, come back after this. Running It Straight, coming up to four o'clock, the run home not far away. Uh, really pertinent points by uh, John Tamahiri. They're going to go away and listen to that again, Kempi, because there are just good. some yeah, some great points. And, and very, it might be my myself come from a uh, from a sort of European background, very ignorant to a lot of that stuff. So it was quite eye-opening. Just quickly, Kempi, before we wrap up, um, the, 
give me a sense of the difference playing for the Kiwis versus playing for Māori for a lot of these boys that have played for the Kiwis. Well, playing for the Kiwis, you're playing for your 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 whanau, immediate whanau, and representing your country. Playing for Māori is your you're playing for your whakapapa. You know, so everyone that's gone f- before you, and of course on your on your own whenua is really really important. Mm. Um, and there would it's more about learning your whakapapa than it is about playing rugby league. Yeah, and a lot of people wouldn't understand that. Mm. So it's a pretty big occasion. Never enough time on running it straight. That's us done for another hour, another week. Good one. First one for 2023. We'll be back next week. We'll be previewing the NRL season for 2023. Run home up next. Kennards Hire makes your job easy. Kennards.co.nz.